guys, and welcome back to Mind Matters with Mia, a podcast about mental health and psychology at a relatable level. I'm your host, Mia Yen, and today I have with me a very special guest, Miss Anna Ayala, who is a licensed school social worker. Today she joined me and we're going to talk about generalized anxiety disorder, which I think can be very relatable to lots of people, including me. And I think it's a topic that is really relevant nowadays. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and learned as much as I did. Enjoy. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll get started. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your job? Like, what does a normal day look like for you? Yeah. Um, so my I'm a school social worker, so that means I'm, I have a license in clinical social work. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to grad school for for social work, so that's my master's in in social work. So in social work, you kind of do can do a lot of things, but my speciality is uh, school social work. So I worked for San Diego quite a few years, and then I moved here to Santa Clarita. So. Now I work here for the Heart District. So one of my schools is actually Valencia High School, and I have a junior high in Canyon Country for Sierra Vista. Okay, so that must be interesting working with schools, which we'll probably get to later. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I wanted to get into our topic for today, which is generalized anxiety disorder. So what drew you to becoming specialized in anxiety specifically? Yeah, so um, for anxiety, you know, a lot of people experience anxiety as it is um, in their daily lives. It's a normal thing to experience. But when you have a diagnosed clinical anxiety disorder, it's really something that you live with every day and all day is there with you. So, um, you know, not to mention too much personal stuff about myself, but it's something that, you know, a lot of my family members have, but also for me something that I've been living with. So I mean, so I have a passion for it because of that. Yeah. And I definitely think, sorry, I think it's becoming a lot more prevalent Mm -hmm. and um, many more people are becoming aware of it, which is, which is good. Definitely. So um, when in your journey, did you realize you wanted to pursue this as a career? Um, So I think um, I've always had anxiety. I think since I was in high school, probably, um, but I think it became more, um, more, I guess, heightened when I became a mom mm-hmm. myself. So I think, um, when you have different stages in your life, your anxiety, you kind of can put it away, but there's a point where I got, it got there, like, okay, I can't put it away. I have a little one to take care of now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, definitely. It, it's kind of like more personal, definitely, when it affects you um, yourself, I bet. Right. Okay, so let's just go back to the basics. What are some symptoms of anxiety and how do they differ from other mood disorders? Yeah, so a generalized anxiety disorder, it's really something that it's anxiety that you really doesn't have a specific trigger. Um, it's really about getting nervous or uh about everything and really sometimes about nothing really mm-hmm. so it just happens throughout the day um different from another for other resource resource uh, uh re- disorders that, that they the other disorders have um more specific triggers like whether it's a phobia whether it's social anxiety whether it's separation anxiety so those are specific, they have a specific triggers that, it, that you can um, kind of identify, but generalized anxiety disorder doesn't have that. So it, 
in like in the terms of the how it is diagnosed, you have to have had it for six months and the majority of the days for the past six months. So when you go to like a, a therapist or a psychiatrist, they probably will ask you about the previous six months of um, the symptoms that you've had. And that is normally getting irritated, um, uh, poor sleeping habits, whether you're sleeping too much or too little, uh, whether you're, on, you're feeling on the edge all the time, like you're walking on eggshells, um, you're, difficulty to breathe, uh, maybe a lot of sweating. So those are uh, normal uh, symptoms. Yeah. And like you were saying about how it doesn't have a specific trigger, that's probably hard. Um, that probably makes it hard to diagnose. Well, I know you were saying about like the six months, but I think because it's so generalized, it can sometimes be vague and you don't really know anything specific about like when you have it or you might think it's just kind of like oh it's just like regular anxiety it'll go away but I guess it's definitely important to see if it stays for those six months and that's when you know right yeah 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 so it, it, that's the majority of the day so throughout those six months you've had to have those symptoms okay so after the six months they would know something's wrong and they would go to the doc to the um mm -hmm. psychiatrist and then what are the um like what are the symptoms, not symptoms, but like what would the doctor look for to say um, you definitely have anxiety? Um, so when we, do, when we diagnose, we use what's called a DSM-5 um, and that, you know, it specifies there everything, all the, all the criteria that they have to meet. But apart from the clinical part, there's also the family, um, assessments that you have to do like a whole biopsychosocial assessment as a social worker or whether it's an MFT or a, psych or a psychologist. So um, we assess the background development of the, the person, the family history, um, maybe any substance use. Uh, mm -hmm. So we kind of go off of that or if there's any trauma history as well. So um, those are pretty much the the main points that we have to target before we even jump into a diagnosis. Um, so if there is trauma, you know, we have to address that first and maybe the trauma is causing the anxiety in the present day. Um, so there's, you know, always a combination of both. Okay. So I'm just going to switch gears a little bit. So yeah. um, what is going on in the brain with someone with anxiety? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, and you know, a lot of studies have come out about anxiety and in terms of how the brain works now. So um, the brain really, I don't know if probably you have studied a little bit or maybe some of you guys might already mm -hmm. know some of this information, but with the, the brain, you know, the frontal lobe is still developing as a teenager and um, mm -hmm. So that's where the cognitive part of our brain, where we like stop and think a little bit like, okay, let me think about this. Is it really rational? Uh, but then the kind of the emotional part of the brain is where is the amygdala and the hippocampus um, and the, limb, the limbic system, right? The, the, um, the system that kind of makes you wanna kind of protect yourself when there's, um, mm -hmm. there's danger, right? So um, I think that's where pretty much is the things when you have anxiety, that emotional part of your brain 
takes over the cognitive part of the brain. So the, the thinking part of your brain. So when it is, uh, when you have those anxiety attacks or your thoughts start kind of coming to your head, like, oh, nothing's going to go okay. Um, I'm always going to make mistakes. The, the, the emotional part of your brain is really taking over. So your amygdala is kind of firing. Like, this is not okay. This is not okay. Like, protect yourself, protect yourself. So that's when you start getting the sweatiness. You start getting red. You start getting, um, uh, maybe you're running out of breath. So your body starts tensing up. So those are signs that the amygdala is sending to your brain that this is not, this is not okay. You're, you're in danger. You're in, in an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. And um, that's kind of like the fight or flight response, right? Like your um, brain is telling you like this instinctive thing that something's wrong. Like you were saying, I'm in danger. Yeah. So then that's why all those physical symptoms come, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, pretty much your brain telling you like, this is not okay. So then you have the, you know, uh, the outer response to what's going on inside. Okay, so I want to go back to something we were talking about a little bit earlier, um, just about like the symptoms kind of. So um, what is the difference between day-to-day -day anxiety and stress and generalized anxiety disorder? Because I feel like, yeah. um, like yeah. you were saying, it, people do experience uh, like a healthy amount of stress and that's kind of part of daily life. So right. um, is it kind of just the six months thing or is there another like way you can tell that it's not normal? Yeah, so when it is a, a regular anxiety, like I said, that's a normal thing for your brain to react. When you have, you're experiencing something that is in danger or you know that there's something unknown. But when the anxiety becomes, um, the, we call it, it, it kind of impacts your life, whether, and that's in your, your school, at work, with your family, relationships, social interactions. So when it starts impacting those parts of your life, that's when it's becoming a clinical issue that you need to seek help for. Um, and that looks pretty much whether you just don't want to get out of the house because you're just, or you, like when kids, for example, little kids, they, they go to kindergarten or um, school, it's normal for them to cry and that's a normal reaction. But when it becomes to the point that they're just not coming down they're just not willing to go in to the classroom and they start throwing a tantrum outside. Um, those are, that's when it's debilitating and the anxiety is taking over. And even in high school, even in junior high too, um, at that age, you wouldn't think a student wouldn't want to come into the class or you, we know we get nervous when we got come in late to class and everybody's looking, that's a normal reaction. But if it gets to the point that you're kind of start making up lies or, start making up excuses to not go because you really are afraid of how your body starts feeling in that moment, that's clinical anxiety. That's just stopping you from, from really living your life to the fullest. So it's kind of like that mark where it, it affects your daily life and it's not just something that, um, yeah. that's like kind of there and goes away, like overwhelms you. Is, right. It, it's that's like my day. understanding of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, what are things, some things that people misunderstand about anxiety? Because I know um, mm -hmm. all mental illnesses have a pretty good amount of judgment mm -hmm. and um, misunderstanding about them. So what are some things you would want people to know about anxiety specifically? Yeah. So I think anxiety, um, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, just don't think about it. It will go away. Um, the more you think about it, the more you'll stress about it, right? 
So it's just easy to say not think about it. I think it's when a person that has anxiety, if you have a friend that has anxiety, um, it's really easy to say that, um, but it's really, um, it's really hard for them because that's really how they survive, you know, and that's the way that they see things. So it's, um, it's not as easy for them. I think, you know, being careful with your words in that. Um, and also just, you know, saying like, oh, sometimes it's just, they bring it onto themselves. They just always kind of drama queens or they're like always worrisome, worry, worry people, you know? So I think that's also another um, stigma that they have. So um, they have that, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, that's another stigma that they have to battle with too. So I think, you know, just being aware of that is not, um, it is an illness, you know, it's not, it's not something that they can just snap and say, oh, just come down, you'll be fine, or just breathe. You know, that's another one too. Um, just take a breath. Um, it's not as easy as that. Like there's specific um, interventions, you know, that need to be, to be able to use to be able to help a person that's having an attack. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people that don't have anxiety don't sometimes don't understand, like you were saying, that it's not something they control. It's kind of, it's overwhelming. And um, and I'm sure hearing those things don't really help someone with anxiety. So what would you say, um, what could someone facing that judgment do? Like, um, like the person that has anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, being like being really open with that, with your illness, um, I think the more open the person that has the illness or the, the, you know, the mental illness talks about it and their friends talking about it, it just creates a more of an inclusive environment. Uh, so I think once you're not afraid of your anxiety and kind of done letting, done, not letting the, the anxiety control your, you, um, you kind of take over and, and be just admitting that you have it and it's always going to be with you. Um, I think that's where maybe somebody that has anxiety can just take power over that. Um, it's not a bad thing, you know, it's just something that you just learn how to live with. And there's people that just sometimes even make fun of their anxiety, you know, and um, it's just something that they learn how to live with, but um, it's not gonna define who they are. Yeah, and that's something, um, that's a good transition to something I wanted to talk about, which was stigma, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people don't talk about anxiety, or they think it's something that is bad and not good to talk about, and kind of like, they, it has all this like judgment kind of surrounding it, mm -hmm. but um, I think it's good to be out in the open about it, because then that kind of just like reduces the fear, because mm -hmm. a lot of what people are afraid of is the unknown and they don't really know about this like this yeah. all these mental illnesses so that kind of creates like fear and judgment so um how how do you think we can just like small things in our daily lives how can we um mm -hmm. reduce this, the stigma surrounding anxiety yeah i think like i mentioned um you know just just talking about it being more aware about it with your friends uh you know we can't change everyone but i mean you can make a change in your own circle of friends um just making it more of a normal thing to talk about um and then just being aware of your you know 
the science of it and educating yourselves um, on just the bigger symptoms of it and to see if you see any red signs on your friends or any family members that you have, um, just being honest about, about like what you're seeing and, and seeking out support for those people that you see that maybe are struggling with anxiety or maybe they're not coming to terms with. Um, so just, I think that's the biggest thing that we can do. Yeah, and I wanted to um, talk about something you just said, the um, friends and family members. So for mm -hmm. someone who um, thinks, or someone you are close to or a loved one, what can people do to help those who, if they think um, one of their friends or family members has um, anxiety, what can they do to help? Yeah, so I think in just really sitting down with them and letting them know that they are there for them. This is their journey to, um, to start for healing, you know, and, um, you know, you never really force a person to, to face and if, especially if they're adults, but I mean, depending on the, with the minors, but they really have to decide when their journey is going to start towards getting better, you know, and I think as a family member, the more that you're just there to just love them just always remind them that you're there for them to care for them um i think that's what we can do as families and as friends too just you know just being there with them too like just listening listening to them they might not want to talk about their anxiety it's okay you know at least you you're there and in case you see something odd you know you, you just point it out and um just knowing who to go to if there is someone that, or that you really need some to get help for your friend or for a family member whether it is at the schools you know your counselors um your teachers or, or whether it is uh, outside in the community uh just knowing your parents if you feel comfortable going to them or um anybody any hotlines that you know that are available for you know to share with your friends too so i think that's you know being aware of that and um just being yourselves, just don't, don't try too hard to like make them feel too um, pampered or comfortable. I think they just want to be like normal, you know, it's just not like them, it, it doesn't incapacitate them in any way. Um, but if just letting them know, like, I'm, I'm just here for you. And when you're ready to talk, you know, I'll be there. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's just nice to know that someone's there for you. And I liked yeah. how you said, um, like mm -hmm. not pressuring them at all, just like, yeah. like saying like, I'm here, but there's no pressure. Like it's still yeah. normal. And that is another thing that reduces the, um, the stigma because yeah. you're like, it's normal. Like it's fine. Like we don't have to talk about it, but if you want to, um, it's, it's like, it's, it's good to be like open about it because then, right. um, there's no more like hiding or judgment or anything. Right. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I want to talk about, um, specifically anxiety in teens. I feel like there's a lot of discussion about anxiety, especially mm -hmm. in teens. Um, and mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about this with you. So do you notice this a lot in your work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think especially um, in the very, depends on, this, on the schools too. I think in, in, in our area, you know, in Valencia High School, um, the very um, high-performing high schools, mm -hmm. um, I think the stress is definitely there academically for a lot of our students. Um, and that doesn't really help with, you know, the, the way that they're developing as well. So 
So teens, is, yeah, there's a very high rate of anxiety in teens. And um, we see it a lot in, in, especially now, you know. And so I think, you know, for teens, what, what I like to say is that, you know, like I told you before, their brain doesn't stop develop, uh, developing until it's 25 years old. Mm-hmm. So um, when a teen enters, you know, puberty around 12, 13, um, up until around 19, their brain is really under construction and still developing. Um, it already had its, its memories and everything from elementary school. And it's, all of those memories are kind of gonna, are going back into the, to the back burner in a way. And um, now it's doing kind of like the identity of who I am, the process of where do I belong. So um, that's a flip-flop for, for teens. So that's going on. So the frontal lobe hasn't had time to really develop the cognitive part of the, of the brain. So teens are really acting on impulse. So it's a lot of doing things that are fun, you know, um, going out to parties, maybe smoking, right? Um, uh, drinking, so, uh, or even speeding, you know, driving. So all of those stuff um, are actions that are teens act on impulse because their frontal cognitive brain hasn't been fully developed yet. Um, so that's where that's going on in the brain. But at the same time, the social um, expectations of um, nowadays of our, our, our teens is very high. Um, so that's with, you know, social media now, um, and music and now with, um, and then you add all of that to a brain that's still developing the cognitive part and, you know, this is not the right mix. So I think as if the teen doesn't have a good support system, doesn't have a good family system, socioeconomic status, um, or there's history of drugs and um, alcohol abuse and it makes them more vulnerable to fall into anxiety or even other other um, mental illness. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I like what you said about that because it's definitely like a combination of those factors. There's so right. much um, pressure these days with grades and um, sports. And like you were saying, um, like it's really good to have a good support system. So I think all of those things combined, if you don't really have the right mix, and that's what causes anxiety. And even people who have seemingly like great lives still have anxiety. It's not something um, that's like for specific groups, but I think that's why it kind of like makes people, like it kind of like makes a community because it happens to everyone and it's not just specific people. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, so, so as teens, what are um, what are some of the major things we can do to um, combat this il- this um, mental illness? Yeah, so I think you know, as teens, is knowing who your support system is. Um, you know, making create maybe making making a list of who you who do who you know you can talk to, whether it is someone at school, at home, your friends, um, and also like. I, I like to call it a survival kit kind of thing, um, like a, a kit that you can create for yourself. You can put it in your phone, just like things that you know that kind of like will bring you down to to grounding again, um, whether there is a movie, a Netflix show that you like, um, a drink or um, snack or something that you know just kind of brings you down to you like, oh, this is, this is 
my purpose. You know, this is really like, I like doing this stuff, you know? So it's kind of writing that down or maybe keeping a little kit of that to remind yourself when you have those anxiety, those moments of, of stress and anxiety. Um, and also like, just like I said a little bit before, just being open about it. I think, you know, as generations have come, you know, we've been more and more open with mental illness. So I think the more that we talk about it, hopefully with, you know, coming on to our new generations, you guys are going to be the adults eventually. So hopefully that um, breaks the, the barrier of, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for our future children too. Yeah, I really like what you said about um, the little survival kit, because I was, um, I just wanted, I was about to ask about um, some self-care strategies, and I really like that. I've never heard of that one, but I'll probably use it. It's, I think it is important to kind of be able to ground yourself, like maybe have a list of like breathing techniques, or like you were saying, like snacks and like shows that I like, or um, stuff like that, or like little quotes that kind of just like make you like kind of realize like, or as to the best of their ability, kind of like bring you back to the moment and make you feel somewhat better. So I really like that idea. Yeah, no, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, anyone can, you can really, I think there's even apps about it for survival kits. Yeah. So um, for my last question, I was going to ask, do you have any interesting stories from your job you want to share? Anything that kind of stuck out or that would be fun to talk about? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been a social worker for almost nine years now, you know, and, um, Mm -hmm. I had many, I have many stories, but I think, you know, this year in particular has been one of the hardest years as a social worker for sure. And I think Mm -hmm. you as a student probably are aware too, you know, our our community has gone through a lot this year, uh, with the fires and, you know, being in and out of the school and then the shooting of Saugus too. So, um, I think as a professional, it has really tested me, my limits, and um, and also uh, just the way how things work. Uh, you know, in social work, you know, we have to be with people. Like right now, we're we have to meet with people online too. So, it, I think it's I think it's definitely a story. A lot, uh, one of those years that I will in the future will tell us as, as my as a professional, like a yeah. interesting story. <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's definitely it's definitely been a weird year but um yeah yeah so I think that's where I'm gonna end it but thank you so much for taking your time to talk to me this has been really fun oh no thank you yeah it was fun doing it so just let me know when you know anything else yeah um thank you so much I had a great time no thank you you too take care bye (laughs) bye